Welcome to Alive in Film. A familiar face in the acting world with over 130 credits to his name. He's been in many Hollywood movies such as From Hell with Johnny Depp. He's worked with Sean Connery in The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. He's also starred in Stardust, X-Men First Class, Rob Roy, Clash of the Titans and David Fincher's The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, to name a few. He's also appeared in prominent roles in television and theatre in the UK and speaks French fluently and has made three films in the language. His career really took off when he worked with Guy Ritchie on Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch. Our guest today is Jason Fleming. It's a life and fail! Hey, Brav. How's it going, man? Good, Brav. Good. You okay? Yeah, I'm good, man. Thanks so much for doing this. I know we've been like trying to fit it in and everything else, but we persevered. So thanks, man. I appreciate it. You've had you've had a shave. You had a big old beard last time I saw you. No, I've shaved my head, shaved my beard. I'm a new man. I just finished a job called Aldo with Stevie Graham about um, the rise of the far right in uh, in England. And so we were the good guys. So we all had beards and then the, the, uh, the far right all had like angular, you know, kind of Aryan features. So, but it's gone now, I've got it off. Nice. Is that just to kind of cleanse yourself of that part now? You've kind of shedded yeah. it. Definitely. Quite, the beard looked, it was impressive. <laughs> you know what, with me, most of my parts that I play are just me with a beard or without a beard or me with a skinhead or without a skinhead. So that's about as far as I go into Stanislavski. <laughs> that's versatility right there. So I just want to, like, you know, with this podcast, we love to just chat about how people got into the industry and, and hope that it kind of, you know, invigorates uh, and gives some sort of, you know, positivity to people starting out and, and kind of, you know, it's tough. Is it about that? It's mostly about, it's mostly about um, encouraging the newbies. Yeah, because, I mean... I, I wouldn't know what to say to someone now if they asked me, how did you become an actor? How did you get into it? Because it's so different for everyone. And I think it's just really nice to hear from people like yourself who've been doing it for a long time and, and hear your way of doing it. And then, you know, a collection of all these episodes, it's now, you know, we've got so many different weird angles. And I think it's quite, it's quite good. I've had a lot of messages from people that are just starting out and they're like, this is great because it kind of gives me a few ideas and options on Brilliant. how to do it. So, um. Yeah, it's all about inspiring people to kind of start their own journey, really. Sure. Um, my journey is kind of classic. I mean, my journey is, um, you know, if you, if you at a very young age decide what you want to do, that's a blessing, right? Most people have to trip over it. You know, most people go, I don't know what I want to do. And then in their first 16 to 23, 24, 25, they trip over something they want to do. They go to art school. And then they meet an amazing girl who happens to be a chef and they're like, oh no, that's what I want to do. Or they go and study geography and they, um, while they're studying geography, they join a theatre group and they go, oh no, that's what I'm going to do. So if you know from a very early age that that's it, you're like, when I was 10 years old, I, I um, auditioned for uh, um, the Wizard of Oz and got the part of the Scarecrow and I was 10 years old and I went, right, that's it. I know exactly what the rest of my life's gonna be. Now, obviously the world has to allow you to do that as it did me, but having a clear vision from 10 or six or eight is a blessing because then you know, it's like, you don't need a safety net. You just, that's what you're gonna do. But that's not the, that's not the journey for everyone, you know? So what I'd say is whether it's acting or becoming a camera person or costume or producing or continuity is um, put yourself out there so that you can fall over what you want to do. You know, if you think it's within the film business, then start in the film business. It doesn't matter if you're a sound man, doesn't matter if you're an actor, doesn't matter if you're a runner, get on set and then look around and go, you know, it's like, you know, if you're a painter, you do this thing called um, a foundation course and you study every part of painting. And then you work out whether you want to be a sculptor or, you know, a printmaker or a fine artist or whatever it is. But unless you unless you put yourself in the frame, you, you don't know. So I would suggest 
working as an usher, you know, uh, doing some um, supporting artist work, um, anything you want, anything you can do in order to put you in the place in the in in the um, environment of what we of what we call filmmaking. Yeah, no, definitely. That's I mean, the route I took was I started as a runner. Yeah. So, and then from that, you know, you get to be on a film set or, a, you know, a set of some sort and you get to see what is the thing that really interests me and what actually do I feel comfortable doing? What was the job? What was the job? Um, I did a few little short films. I did a few bits and bobs. And then I was very lucky to get um, basically be like the camera I don't know what the lowest of the low of the low of the camera group is, but the case of the T-Boy um, on a Harry Potter film. So I was very fortunate. Camera. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And um, and then I, I, I managed to, I was meant to be there for a week and I managed to talk them into letting me in there for the rest of the duration of the film. So I did like two months. Um, yeah. And that was where I kind of realized I was like, well, actually, would be great to go and do camera that would be awesome but actually if i never try the acting i'm gonna regret it um so from there i was lucky and met an agent on that set and and then started from there so mate that's the, exactly you just you just basically um you know put put pr a practical experience on what i was suggesting so you know my suggestion is is that, and also it's a really different time now you know when i grew up it was all about being posh and white. And we, if you're working class and white, you had to pretend to be posh. And now it's not about that at all. It's about being, you know, there's so much more um, ethnicity involved and so much more sort of a broad spectrum of, of um, sexuality and, and uh, understanding of, of different types of people and different types of uh, um, upbringings, which allow you, and in fact, there's so much more opportunity for um, people than there was when I started. And, uh, you know, being white and middle class, which was always the dream, you know, is no use to anyone anymore. No one's interested, which is so exciting and amazing. So no matter how diverse or extreme or um, alienated you feel, now's the chance to get into the film business. Definitely. That's the nice thing, isn't it? That it feels like it's kind of opened up to everyone yeah. um, no matter what. And even in the crew side of things, um, a mate of mine's just started as a grip. And, um, you know, three weeks ago, he was like, oh, I don't know, like, how will I do it? And now he's he's working on um, Masters of the Air, which is a Spielberg series. <laughs> and he's, he's jumped within three weeks to be doing, you know, doing that. So it's incredible. There's a real it's a real chance now for people. Yeah, there's a real race. There was a real race problem in our business, you know, and um, we just did a film called Alder. I just did a TV show called, just finished called Alder, which is when I had the big beard with Stevie Graham. And we had Black Sparks, Black DOP, Black Producer. And that's just like, I know to, when you hear this, people are going to go, why is he saying that? Why? Because I'll tell you why I'm saying it, because it's unbelievable for someone who's been in the business for 35 years to work with a Black DOP, Black Sparks and a Black Producer. You know, that that's, I mean, Black Sparks. I've never seen that in my life. And so it's a really exciting time for me, you know, to see that. And, you know, because I my big thrill now is why I'm doing this podcast. My big thrill now is to help people start that journey and realise that it's not the same as it was when I started, that it's much more diverse. It's much more, it's encouraged to be different. It's encouraged to be unique. You know, you don't have to conform to an identity in order to work in the film business. In fact, all of those old stereotypes and all of those old stalwart characteristics of being white and middle class and male and good looking and no use to anyone anymore. I mean, I'm gutted for those. I'm gutted for those kids who are that <laughs> yeah. because they haven't got hope, you know, but, you know, them's the, them's the breaks and you know, <laughs> around comes around. So when you started was, I mean, it was obviously I'm very familiar with your work anyway, and, and you're an actor that I've always watched and admired. But your work, for me, my first, I think my first memory of you was The Jungle Book. Yeah, man, uh, that's the first memory I've got of me. <laughs> what, I mean, looking at, the, looking at the credits you've had, that's a pretty big film pretty early on. What, I mean, how, how did you go from like, oh, I want to be an actor to suddenly being on a set like that? My dream was always to, you know, make films. That was always the thing. 
So film has always been my thing. But like I said at the beginning of this, you, you can have a dream, but the world's got to allow you to do that, right? So um, the Jungle Book, oh man, was that my first film? No, I've done a couple of other things. So, you know, for all young actors watching this or listening to this, you, you've got to have that little bit of luck, right? So I, I um, did a film called, um, for John Schlesinger, called A Question of Attribution. And it was about a young, well, no, it wasn't about a young, it involved a young Cockney guy who worked in the Queen's art galleries. And so, you know, and it was written by Alan Bennett. So I had these amazing lines like, so the geezer's looking around the gallery and he, and he looks at a clock and I go, you like that? That's Ormolu. Not much cool for Ormolu and Bethnal Green. And it was just like, I mean, it was a peach. All you had to do was say the line and you looked amazing. And so I'd done a couple of bits. And then when Jungle Book came along, Disney didn't care. They just wanted people from England. They didn't really know any of us, but... Um, it was just the luck of the draw. I got that gig and then I went out to India and spent, you know, five months. I actually ended up, Lena Headey who played, um, you know, Mowgli's Squeeze. Oh, wow, was she in it? I don't even... Yeah, Lena was in it. I ended, wow. up, I ended up staying with her for nine years. So that, you know, apart <laughs> from getting the job, I also um, I also won the girl, which was amazing. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, that was my first gig. So you just need that little bit of luck to get you cracking. But um, once you've had that experience and, you know, you can't learn about, you know, film craft and all that stuff unless you're allowed to do it. You know, you can study it and listen to, you know, podcasts with Scorsese and David Fincher. But unless you're allowed to be on set and learn and watch and suss out how you come across, it's really tough. Mm. It's really tough. So, you know, that well, that was Jungle Book was 133 films ago. So I'm a lucky lad. That's mad, isn't it? Today, literally today, the, the um, we just the Biffers were announced today. The Biffers, yeah. So congratulations, man. And so we did a film called Boiling Point. It got nominated for eleven Biffers. So, you know, that's the journey. Um, that's the journey, and you know, once you're on that journey, it's 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 it kind of it's self perpetuating. But you have to get on the road, and that's the hard part, right? That's yeah. what we talked about. Once you're on it and you're not an idiot and you, you know, you can, you know, walk and speak and not be an idiot, you know, and we're not talking about winning Oscars, we're talking about working actors here, right? So once you've prove, proven that you can do the job, you'll work, but it's just, how do you prove that? Hmm. Yeah, that's the tricky, that's the tricky bit. <laughs> and it's that I find difficult is that, you know, if I play a role and then I kind of have to play that role a few more times until someone believes I can play a different role, yeah. Do you ever find that, that you kind of get boxed in? Hey, you're, you're going to play you, you know, you're going to play you. Um, and that's fine. You know, that's absolutely fine. You know, if you want to not play you, then, you know, you can go and work above a pub in, in <laughs> you know what I mean? And play, you do check off, that's fine. Yeah. But on film and in TV, you're going to play as close to you as you could possibly be for a long, long time. And uh, just accept that or not, you know, the, you know, your CV is your own CV. You, the only power you have is to say no. That's the only power you have. And uh, I really admire the people who say no. But for me, it's not a hobby. For me, it's the way I sustain my life and the way I pay for my kids to go to school and the way I keep my mum and brother, you know. So so I have no choice. I, my dad was a director and he had this thing, he had this thing, um, he used to say to me, he was Scottish, and he used to say, Jason, go to your back pocket. And if you've got fuck off money in your back pocket, tell him to fuck off. But if you don't have fuck off money in your back pocket, you tell him it's the best script you've ever read. <laughs> and that's how I've sort of, that's how I've been, you know, I'm like, I gotta go work, bruv, because I got a mortgage to pay, or, you know, I've got, you know, school fees to pay, whatever. So, um, that's a great but, quote. <laughs> but, but the people who don't do that, the people who, stay poor and do what they want to do and only what inspires them i've got nothing but admiration for but me if i'm skin i'll dress as a, as an edam cheese and give leaflets out for both <laughs> <of them. laughs>
Fair play, man. I mean, you've obviously done the right thing. If you've got yeah over a hundred credits, um, you're obviously doing something right. <laughs> well, I'm, you know, I'm cheap and easy to be around, but and that's part of it. You know, jokes aside, that's part of it. You know, being easy to be around. It's like that's massively important. You know, filming is intense. You're doing a hundred hours a week. Um, everyone's tired, especially during COVID. It was a fucking nightmare, if I'm honest. And if you're a pain in the ass, no one's interested, unless you're winning Oscars or unless you are absolutely outstandingly brilliant, then by all means be a pain in the ass. But if you're not, most, most bad behavior on set from actors is, is fear-based, you know, because, because they're scared, you know, they're like, I'm scared, I don't know what to do, so I'm gonna be a pain in the ass. But a much better uh, solution to that situation is to say, I'm scared, I don't know what to do. And then people go, oh, okay, well, let's work on that. We'll work out how to, you know, if you're frightened, what you've got to do is open the door and walk in and say one line. You go, I know, but I'm really scared. And they'll help you do that. You know, the director, the sparks, you know, if you're kind to people and you're, you know, say good morning, ask people if they want a cup of tea. When they say, do you want a cup of tea? Say, no, do you want a cup of tea? And, and as soon as you do that, as soon as you're kind to people, they'll back you, they'll look after you. And when, so when you are scared and when you are nervous or when you are forgetting your lines, they'll back you and they'll look after you. And that's really simple. And that, I mean, you know, without being too self-effacing, that's why I've done what I've done because people know I'm all right to be around. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a massive, massive, um, if, if that's how I'm remembered, I'll, I'm, I'm happy with that. It's been, I, I mean, I always fear that I'm going to go when I, you know, get a job and, and I go and you hear all these horror stories about sets when no one gets on and there's an actor, there's a nightmare and all that stuff. I've never actually experienced it. I've always feared that it would happen, but <laughs> you're smiling. You've obviously encountered it at some point, but yeah. um, it's one of those things you just think, oh, is this going to be the one? But thankfully I've been lucky so far. It happen often. It doesn't happen often. And usually, uh, okay, I'll give you a an example on clash of the titans apparently he's okay now but bad it was badly managed it was bad you know the director didn't stand up to him and blah 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 but it was a proper nightmare it was like 40 minute discussions about every scene and arguments and makeup parts and tears and all that shit but to be honest you know growing up as an act and people listening to this who want to become actors that's part of the that's part of the dream you're like I, you know bad behavior as long as it's not from you, it's exciting. You're like, oh my God, you know, toe-curlingly bad behaviour. Like Sean Connery on League of Extraordinary Gentlemen fell out with the director and uh, we'd be walking, you know, we'd, as the sort of league, we'd be walking through Venice, which had been built like in Prague and you're walking through Venice and they go, cut, okay. And the director would go, okay, back to first positions. And Sean would go, you want me to walk all the way back to my first position? And then like, yes, Sean, we thought for 10 million, it wouldn't be too much to ask you to walk 150 feet. And he's like, Jesus Christ, who is this fucking idiot? And you're like, oh my God, it's happening. It, the tension is like palliable. It's like, oh my God, this is a nightmare. But, you know, as we grew up as actors, you, you too, you know, that's, those are like the legendary stories, you know, that's, that's part of the game. And as long as it's not you who are the centre of attention, it's fantastic. Yeah, but someone like Sean Connery is kind of, not that anyone should get away with it, but if anyone can, he, he probably could. <laughs> can't be rude, Sean, you know, it's like the director was at fault, you know, you can't, Sean Connery's Sean Connery. Mm. If you keep making, he's 82 years old, if you keep making him walk backwards and forwards, he's going to get a hump and you can't complain about that. You should have like a golf cart to pick him up from the end mark and drive him back to the beginning. That's, yeah. that's what you should do. But you know that. But but when it goes off like that, it's just so exciting. You're like, oh my god. <laughs> to to skip ahead a little bit, I guess to to the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I mean, that is what an amazing part that must have been as well to play Jekyll and Hyde like that kind of. You know, must I mean, have been incredible. Fun. It's fun. The thing is, those big movies are like it's a piece of piss, really, because you're you're filming like. 40 seconds a day you know you're filming for eight nine months i mean benjamin button was 18 months the film's wow. 95 minutes long right so you're filming sometimes nine seconds a day 
So it's not like doing like the National Theatre where you've got to remember all those lines. You're like, I've got to film nine seconds today and we're going to do 75 takes of nine seconds. I think I can probably manage that, you know, without getting too stressed. Do you start to kind of lose all kind of reality of where you are, what you're saying, what words mean? And uh, if you're doing it that many times. On that specific incident with Fincher, I think that's his thing. You know, he, he lets you do what you want to do. And then when you got that out of your system, he goes, you got that out of your system. So, so for instance, in, in um, uh, Benjamin Button, there's a scene when uh, Brad comes to my house and I tell him I'm his father. And I go, and I go, Benjamin, I'm your father. And I fucking flood, you know what I mean? I burst into tears and I said, and I was so fucking pleased with the takes. I was like, mate, I just fucking properly dropped loads of tears. It was even tight on a 50 mil lens. I looked like fucking bollocks. It was amazing. <laughs> and then, and then, and then Fincher goes, you finished? Yeah, you done with that? Yeah, we've done like eight takes and I'm beginning to dry up. And he goes, you, you got that out of your system? And I'm like, uh, what, what do you mean? He goes, you done those takes with the tip? Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he goes, okay, delete take one to eight. And because it's electronic now, it's not like, you know, on when we used to work on film, they print it. But now, you know, from the monitor, they can delete it. So he goes, delete takes one to eight. And I'm like, no! And he's like, it's gone. Now we start again. Now you stop all that self-indulgent tears and all that rubbish and let's go to work. And I'm like, oh my God. And that's Finch, you know, that's what he does. <sighs> and even though that's agony, because I was like, I properly dropped the tear, just as I said, you're my father, the single tear dropped down my cheek. It was perfect. You know, that's Oscar shit. And then Finch is like, hey, we're used to me. And uh, that's, you know, an amazing experience because obviously that's the best performance I've ever done because you're under the guidance of a master, you know. He's one of my favourite directors. I love him. He's incredible. He, and also his, his use of, like, even in a film where you don't think there's any CGI, the amount of, like, VFX that he uses yeah. and seeing the making of his films is just incredible, his vision. He's amazing. Um, That's rare, man. I mean, listen, you can spend your whole career, successful career, and not work for those masters. You know, I mean, that, you know, what, what we're talking to, the people we're talking to tonight are people who want to earn a living being an actor. That's, I guess, that's who we're talking to, right? Mm. So that's the, that's the dream, right? The Fincher thing and the, you know, that's another level. That's another level. By the way, I just got in the wrong queue. I was lucky to do all that shit. But the, the, real, the real dream, the real dream is to make a living acting. Simple as that, you know? And not think of it as like an art form. It's a job. It's craft. It's, that's it. That's what you do for a living, right? You're not, you know, and to get to the point where you're no longer grateful, of course, we're, I secretly would always be grateful. But the idea of going, no, no, this is what I do. This is what I do. I'm a, this is what my graft is. I graft and I act. That's the dream. What I find difficult is, you know, doing this from a younger age and wanting to like, you know, aim for the, the top. As you say, the, you know, realism and actual reality meets what your dream is. It's kind of trying to figure that out mm. and not being disappointed. But, yeah. you know, as you say, like just being able to work is the dream. Um, it's five, just a hard balance to five, grasp. Five percent of us make a living, right? Five percent of us sustain life through pretending to be other people acting, right? Whether it's in theater or film or TV, whatever. If you're in that 5% and you get through a full year, and I mean a full year, like January to fucking January, and you've not done a stitch of other work, you're a success, an absolute success. Whether you've gone to fucking um, the Shrek adventure in Waterloo and pretended to be whoever the fuck you need to pretend to be, you're a success. Because that is the dream, man. That's what you do. You're, you know, you're a performer. Um, that's my theory. Now, anything on top of that is a massive bonus. And, you know, if you're lucky enough to end up making, you know, two or three movies or TV shows, it's different now because TV shows are, you know, are just as lucrative and just as prestigious as, uh, as films are. But, Film will always be my passion. Um, so if you can make a couple of movies, even if it's on an iPhone, if you can make a couple of movies a year, you're doing brilliantly and you should be proud of yourself and 
and uh, you know, pat yourself on the back. Don't get frustrated. Don't be frustrated that you've got Leonardo DiCaprio. Don't. Because it'll either happen or it won't. It's not in your control. Exactly. You know, I'm looking at you, bruv, and I'm like, there'll be a job where they want a black-haired guy with a beard who looks 25, 26, who's quite fit, who is English, and that'll come. It may come. And then you're going to get that job over everyone else. But you just, you just can't predict it. You have to wait for the breaks. You have to wait for the part to be right for you. Because you can act, I can act. Everyone listening to this has, a, has an ability. But it's just about whether or not you get the opportunity because you're right for it, you know? It's, so, it's such a timing thing, isn't it? And as you oh, say, it's pure luck. Um, sure. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you can come up with plenty of examples of where, you know, sliding doors moments in your career. Um, I know I certainly have had moments where I thought, well, if I wasn't there that day or didn't meet that person then, it's like, it's an accumulation, isn't it? Um, it's very different, difficult to kind of quantify how it happens, but... Um, My left foot, you know, I mean, you know, that's a whole different thing, right? know my left foot or you know um all the great movies that we've all seen where performances by great actors where they are so far away from who they are it doesn't happen you know you've just got to wait for the north wales middle class gay um ginger haired part to come up when you read the script you're like oh my god that's that's me you know and you and and you know it'll it'll happen or it won't, but it's not in your control, you know, as a beginner, as a beginner, you know? Yeah, for sure. And and to sort of move on to the, you know, we kind of touched on it there a little bit where, you know, people will be out of work and you'll be trying to get these jobs. Do you have, like, when you've had moments of, of rest <laughs> as an actor, do you have coping mechanisms? What do you do to keep yourself kind of busy and sane and not think about it too much? You've got to... You've got to um, You've got to be proactive. You know, if you, if you, this isn't our world, right? But if you play the violin, right? You get up in the morning, you take your violin out and you fucking play the violin. You know, if you're a painter, you get up in the morning and you look over and you see your paints in a blank canvas, you start painting. But we can't like look in the mirror and do like check off monologues. It's like, you can't do that. You know, you cannot do it. So you have to find a coping mechanism. Um, and what they are, and it doesn't matter whether you succeed or lose at this, but it's like writing, um, doing short films, um, uh, supporting people. It, mate, there's always someone behind you, right? There's always some fucker who is doing worse than you. So turn around, look for them and put your hand out, right? Help them, help people behind you, whether they are, you know, they're trying to get into drama school and you've been through drama school. You could be 18 months out of drama school with not a job. There's still someone trying to get into drama school. So find those people, help them. Do go through their audition speeches with them, advise them where they should be. It sounds selfless, but it's not, it's selfish because it makes you feel better about where you are. Wherever you are, you're ahead of someone else. So spend your time, if you have it, helping the people behind you. Put, turn around and put your hand out, that's, that's it. Uh, it's a nice, it's a nice way to think about it, and I, uh, that made me realise actually I didn't ask you. Did you go to drama school? Was that something? I did I went did? to Lambda, um, and uh, yeah, it was good. It was good. I mean, drama school isn't essential anymore. You know, it used to be. It used to be really important because it gave you a um, platform to show casting directors and agents your talent. But now, because of COVID, thank God for it you know, we're all doing everything remotely. We're all doing, everyone gets the chance to audition now because they're looking at tapes. Now, it's frustrating because you can't be in the room and you can't persuade people who you are and how you are, but at least it's, it's a level playing field. You know, it's, it's now a much more level playing field. Um, and you guys, you youngsters are all learning how to get like lamps with circles around them so you look great self-tapes are now a, it's like a skill you know and um i'm really pleased about that for all of you um but just keep knocking on doors keep keep uh sending stuff to casting directors 
you know, the Biffers was today. Just look at those casting directors who got nominated. Send your shit to them, you know, and find out who the director was who won, or was, you know, all those directors who were nominated and, and, and just, you know, drive them mad because... Drive them mad. Like I've driven you mad for the past probably yeah. month. <laughs> Relentless. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's got to be done, though. <laughs> you know, people. You know, people get upset and they're like, "Fucking hell, I've done twenty auditions. I've had fuck all from it." And you're like, "Well, go and work in the city." You know, that's the game. That's that's how it is. It's horrible, and you've got to be strong, and you've got to somehow uh, not let it get you. And I, like I said, you know, jokes aside, you know, turn around and put your hand out. That it's incredible how how liberating that is, um, and. Uh, it really helps you feel good about yourself, you know, and that's, I think, is, is a massive part of our job because a lot of the time you don't feel great about yourself, you know. It's inspiring to hear you say that, you know, doing tapes and, and auditioning and, and I presume that that's something you still do. It's not like everything's on offer. You still have to audition um, because I think a lot of people would look at you and think, oh, he probably just gets, you know, gets jobs like given to him all the time. Um is it, is it a big percentage of the jobs that you get now? Do you still audition for or? I'm lucky. I am lucky. I mean, I am lucky. I, you know, it's, I don't know how interesting this is, but it's a double-edged sword because the job I've just got, I've been waiting for for three months. So I've been in discussion for three months about this new show for Sky. Um, and I really wanted it. But because I wasn't going on tape for it, I couldn't practically do anything to... Uh, back up my claim for the gig, you know, because they're like, we know what you can do, Jay, but it's between you and, you know, um, Chris Eccleson and Ian Hart and there's a couple of other people in the mix and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, just, you know, can I not go on tape and can I not, you know, and they're like, no, no, you don't need to do that. Just just discuss it. And it it's weird, it's weird because um, the relief of not having to tape something is <laughs> but then when you do take something especially when you're doing it now like you know you guys are all doing self-tapes at home you do the tape you look at it and you go either you fucking just go oh that'll do that's fine and then you send it off to please your agent you go like, i said i'd do it and i've done it mm-hmm. or you look at it and go that's the best i could do and if it's the best i could do you send it off if it happens it happens if it doesn't it doesn't but when you go into Soho and you go up one of those little like crappy staircases and it's got model, model cast <laughs> director. And then you go in there and you've learnt it and you're sweating and they're like, oh, sorry, we're going to be running about 20 minutes late. And then they go, rush, 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 show me your hands, profile. And then you do it and then you leave and you go, that was so shit, that was so awful. So it's really interesting because, because now you get the chance to look at something, cut it, edit it yourself, light it yourself send it off and go that's the best i could do and that's a great thing you know do you find though i i the thing that i find now is that because i have the ability to edit it or light it and do all those things i take forever doing it i'll take like four to five hours doing a tape and i think jesus i could have done this in an hour really and it wouldn't have been that different but you know that's 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 now you've got the power to do that and anything that empowers you you know um, like I said right at the beginning of this um, interview, the only power you have is to say no. And guys, utilize that power. If you can get through the next week financially, you're okay. Then say no, because I'm telling you, even when they offer you something and you say no, and you need to mean it, you need to mean it, <laughs> they fucking come back. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's like when you're trying to sell a house or whatever you want to do. If you've got two people interested in you, then they start battling about you. And there is a truth to that, that if you create, if you create a desire for you, then it helps, you know? So I don't really know what I'm saying because, because I never had the bollocks to do it. I never had the bollocks, <laughs> you know? I was like, yes, 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 yes. Then I am where I am. But when I see there's like a kid I've just worked with called Aston and he's on this film we just did called um, Refuge with um, Rennie Harlan. And he's a young guy, he's like 19. And he's like knocking back jobs left and right. And I'm like, mate, that's so brave because 
he has a CV that is intact, right? My CV has got Seed of Chucky and Spice Girls the movie on it. So what the fuck am I gonna, what am I gonna gain from saying no? You know, it's already polluted. But if you, if you know, if you, if you have an intact CV, that's not a bad thing, even if you've not worked. It's not a bad thing. You know what? I love the Spice Girl movie when I was a kid. So don't <laughs> knock it. <laughs> it's like, you know, sometimes if like, you know, people listening to this and they're starting out, if you've done nothing, you've done nothing wrong, right? If you've been nominated for nothing, that's fine. But if you've, if you've, done, if you've done one gig that you're proud of, then your CV is intact. And, you know, that's something to be proud of. For you personally, regardless of the project, I know you did mention Benjamin Bunn. Which part, just as a role, can you can you pick one that is kind of one that stands out for you? That's like your must be hard to choose a favourite. But funny enough, it's not a film that did very well. But I did Great Expectations, and um, I played uh, the um, the black the the blacksmith, and I loved that part. I, I really loved it, and I was really proud of what I did with it. It's not a great film, um, but I suppose that, and, and I guess the sort of iconic stuff like Lockstock and Snatch, um, for people listening in, you know, casting directors, producers are lazy. America's lazy, right? They need a hook to hang you on. You know, they need to go, get me the guy from uh, Sliding Doors, get me the guy from, you know, Full Metal Jacket, whatever it is. So I just became, the guy from Lockstock, you know, who didn't marry a supermodel, you know, because it was like Stage went out with Kelly and Matt Vaughan went out with Claudia Schiffer, Guy Ritchie went out with Madonna, Nick Moran was like Britain's best dressed man, blah, blah, blah. So it became a point where I was like, I think Fleming will probably do a voiceover. The rest of them are un unavailable, you know. <laughs> so that became like my hook. It was like Jace was from Lockstock, you know. And uh, you do need that. And that comes through luck, you know, but they do need, especially the Yanks, they need um, a hook. They need a point of reference. Mm -hmm. So uh, success, um, a film success, which is nothing to do with us as actors, you know, it's just, it's just, it's not an exact science. You know, there's a lot of alchemy involved with what's successful and what isn't. But um, when it happens, you have to like maximize your chances on it. Did you, I mean, you'd already obviously been working for you know, a good amount of years before you did Lockstock, but did that when it came along, when you were filming it, did you have any sort of inkling of how special it would become? No, I mean, we're doing a movie with Vinnie Jones. You know what I mean? I was like, this is the bottom of the back. <laughs> He's a bad football player and an even worse actor. <laughs> but. It turned out, you know, he was a great actor and incredible personality, incredibly charismatic guy. And all the other Herberts that were in that film did, you know, it was just, it was just, like I say, is alchemy, you know, it's just like the perfect storm of a load of people who were seriously unfashionable coming together that no one else wanted, creating something that was amazing, you know. And, um, you know, I'm forever grateful for that because that's your point of reference that's where people judge you and still to this day no matter how many benjamin buttons i do or like boiling point that's nominated for 13 baftas it's always going to be fleming's the geezer from lockstock and i'll take that all day long i'll be i'm quite happy with that you know? yeah thank god it's something good it could be something I dreadful <laughs> i know it could be Jason Fleming, the geezer from Cedar Chucky. <laughs> Cedar Chucky, was it really? Um, I mean, I, I haven't seen it, unfortunately, but I think I'll have to chase it I out. It's amazing. <laughs> it's an incredible film. What oh, was yeah. the process like on that, though? Because, I mean, that is still, like, Chucky's an iconic character. Well, like I said to you, you know, my old man said, you know, if you don't have any fuck-off money in your back pocket, you go to work. <laughs> so, um, that was one of those situations where, it was like, I don't know, it was like Easter and I hadn't worked from, since Christmas. And they said, will you go to Romania for 10,000 pounds and film for five days on Cedar Chucky? And I was like, not only will I do that, but I will wear a Tafta ball gown and <laughs> carry everyone's bags because that's how skint I am. <laughs> I love that you're so honest about it. That's good because that's what I think that's what people need to hear. 
Yeah, man, it's not about work, bruv. It's not a hobby. It's not a hobby. Mm. Or if it is a hobby, good luck, you know, but mm. most of us, you've got to earn a living, you've got to pay the rent. Mm. And now, especially about kids, you know, that's like massively important. But I was relieved when my CV became a mixed bag. I was so relieved because I was like, now I don't have to fucking worry, you know, now I can do shit and great stuff. It doesn't seem to matter because I'm never number one on the call sheet. You know, a film never hangs on my head. You know, it's not like, you know, if you're, you know, like a call sheet, right? So there's, there's number one on the call sheet, which is Brad Pitt, for instance, in Snatch or, or um, Benjamin Button. And then there's number seven, which is Brad Pitt's brother in Snatch or Brad Pitt's father in Benjamin Button. And, and and never it never you know the film does not stand on on your shoulders it's like if it if, if the film's a disaster let me think of a disastrous film that i've made okay well um uh even though people still like it but um league of extraordinary gentlemen right the director last film we ever made sean, oh, really? connery, sean connery the lead last film we ever made me keep cracking on but because it, it cost $180 million and it took, you know, 38 pounds. So oh, really, it didn't so do that, that. Yeah, that, and the punishment for that, you know, even even um, The Refuge, I just spoke about, Rennie Harlan directed it. Rennie Harlan's an amazing act, uh, uh, director, did some amazing movies. Um, Is he the, I'm trying to think, He did he direct, um, did he do Cliffhanger? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Cliffhanger and Die Hard 2. Yeah, yeah, he's done some bangers. But he also did um, the pirate film with um, Rennie. Uh, he also did the pirate movie. Oh, Skull Island or whatever. Cutthroat Island. Cutthroat Island. It's a big bomb. Big bomb. And now he's working in Romania with uh, in Sofia, Bulgaria, with Jason Fleming. So I mean, that's the, that's that's what happens. You know, that's what happens. But if you're a supporting actor, if you're number five, six, seven, eight on the call sheet, you're still staying in a nice hotel, you're still getting paid well, you're still doing great work, but you're kind of anonymous, you know, and you could just keep cracking on. And, and that, that, that for me, honestly, and I'm not even just saying this, it's a long road, you know, and I, I would rather be, if you're, never, if you're never in fashion, you're never out of fashion. I mean, I would argue to say that you've definitely been in fashion and you are in fashion, but you know you're, you're very humble, very humble. Yeah, that... It's a great place to be, to be... to be. Um, it was funny because today, you know, it was the Biffers and we got 11 nominations for Boiling Point and I spoke to Stevie Graham and the, the great producer who just got um, nominated for... Um, uh, called Hester, who just got nominated for, up, you know, newcoming producer. And she's like, I'm really angry you didn't get nominated, Jay. And I'm like, mate, trust me, it's about the long road. Just pip, pip, pip in the long road. I'd rather, I'd rather just stay under the radar and keep grafting. That's where I've always been and that's where I'm so proud to be. And, and I think if anyone's listening to this, it's a great place to aspire to be, you know, to, to spend 30 years, make 130 odd movies and keep grafting, keep working. It's a, it's a great place. Yeah, it must have taken you all over the world and you've done all projects with all kinds of people. And the one that I want to bring up that um, that just, it blows my mind. I don't know if it blows your mind, but seeing your name sandwiched in between Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jackie Chan, oh my that God. blows my mind. <laughs> I know, that blew my mind as well. I've say I've got to say that was one of my, you know, one of those moments where I was listening to my dad and his fuck off money. Because B was for the Russians, and I and the director, um, Oleg, and the producer Alexei are amazing. But the Russians have a very different way of working. You know, they have no live sound. Historically, you know, taking three, four, five years to make a movie is perfectly acceptable, and that's how long the first week. You know, because they're like, you come to. By the way, I'm doing a Russian accent, but. The producers actually didn't speak any English. It's just a better story if they have a Russian accent. They go, so next weekend we uh, we go to Prague. We film two days, and then uh, we give you Louis Vuitton bag full of cash, and then we speak again near Christmas. <laughs> and you go, okay, bro. And you go to Prague, and you film two days. <clears throat> they give you a Louis Vuitton bag, 
with um, euros in it. And then you hear nothing for six months and then they phone again. And that's the way it was. And V, the, that Russian film that I did, the first Russian film I did, it took us seven years to complete. Wow. Second that, one. Is that v, a standard thing there? That is just Russia, Yeah, that's the way they make films. But then the second one, V, Journey to China, was produced by Jackie Chan and starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. But, you know, your, your, your um, understanding of Jackie Chan and Arnold Schwarzenegger is 30 years old. <laughs> you know, when you do a read-through with Jackie and Arnie now, they can't get up after the read-through because <laughs> they can't get out of the chair, you know, because you know, they're, they're busted, you know, they're busted. But, you know, that was, that was the gig. By the way, it was great. I think it's on the wall, over. is it? No, it's not on that wall. I'm just looking behind me. <laughs> it's on the other wall. <laughs> My office. Um, but, you know, it's amazing. And I love the Russians and they're brilliant. But, yeah, listen, to be on a call sheet with Jackie and Arnie is not bad. You're right. You're it's right. not bad. Green flag, you're right. You're looking at that going. I, it's just because it's on the poster as well. And your name's sandwiched in between the two of them. And that... <laughs> no, I know. It's silly. It is silly. I mean, when you, grow up, when you grow up wanting to be an actor, you're right, that's... Uh, the only person who probably tops that is Steve. He's on the Expendables at the moment, and the list on that is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm glad to hear they're doing another one because they. I mean, every time they kind of seem to top it with a new cast. But I couldn't believe they. I mean, the last one they got Harrison Ford, and like a few it's people just thought they wouldn't do it, but they did. <laughs> what uh, she's working with at the moment? Um, I think they've got Jean Claude, and they've got Fifty Cent. I think he's done it before. There's a couple of new faces, though. You're like, wow. I mean, it's amazing. It is amazing. There's a, a mate of mine who I've worked with, um, Scott Adkins. He was in the second one, and he was saying that it was just a crazy uh, thing to be a part of and going down in the hotel to breakfast in the morning and just seeing all these legends like at the table, like, this is weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, he did say it was hard not to do imp impersonations of Arnold as well. He kept on catching himself doing it to his face. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, those sort of things, like when you're actually on set with those sort of people and you must sit there and kind of go, okay, I'm, I'm doing all right here. I'm doing all right. You know, it's like I go diving and, you know, if you do a dive and you see, you know, a turtle or a dolphin or a great white, that's a great dive. So, if you turn up on set and you see, you know, Connery or or Johnny Depp or Wahlberg or Pitt, then it's a great it's a great day's filming. You know what I mean? And I'm very lucky. I am really lucky. But what I'd really like to, you know, just say, like I said, to, you know, to the people who are listening, if they're starting out, that shit is just luck. That's nothing to do with talent. That's just you know being in the right place. Like I'm looking at you now, and if they're looking for a a young guy with a beard and a red and white t-shirt and you turn up and they're like, wow, that's him, man, that's wicked. But the, the, the goal is to spend 12 months doing nothing else but acting and paying your rent, food, going on holiday and maybe buying a watch. If you can do that, you've, you're a success. Can I ask one more question? Yes. It's kind of a tradition. Um, is there a moment um, that you've had, preferably on set, that you can kind of tell us that was utterly humiliating or disastrous in some yeah, way. Absolutely. So we're on League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And uh, we're doing a scene where we're on the bridge of a submarine. And it's me, big Sean Connery and uh, Shane West, lovely guy. And we're all on the, we're on the, so it's a green screen. So it's like the, 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 uh, submarine is on a green platform with a green back screen and then a step down to the ground it's like a, on a stage and big sean is walking across the stage and he's walking towards me he's, he's old like this he's like, <laughs> and he's walking towards the stage like this and he gets to the stage and i'm already on the stage and and the step up is about i don't know foot and a half probably more than an 82 year old man can do without a step on assistant. And I go, oh, okay, he's on his own. There's no step and there's no assistant. So I put my arm out to him and I go, Sean, here, take my arm. And he 
he looks up at me and he grabs my arm and then I look down at him and I grab his hand. And then I have this moment where I go, how hard do I pull? I don't know how hard to pull because it's Sean Connery. And he looks up at me and he goes, well, pull you cunt. <laughs> and I go, oh shit. Sean Connery has just called me a, a C-U-N-T on no, on no. So I pull him up and then he's like, Jesus Christ. And he walks off and I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God, I did that so badly wrong. And that was possibly the most humiliating moment. It works so well because you can do the accent perfectly. It sounds just like... <laughs> anyway, I was Thanks right, very I'm much, mate. And put the kids to bed. Is that okay? Yeah, all good, mate. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. And um, yeah, you really are like you're helping people behind you. So I appreciate it. That's the, mate, all I can say is turn around, put your hand out behind you. That's the that's the only advice I can give you. And by the way, it's not selfless. It, it's like the best thing you can do to help your own mental health. Brilliant. Thank you, mate. Cheers, brav. Appreciate it. Cheers, man. Thank you to our guest, Jason. Jason can be seen on the big screen alongside Stephen Graham in Boiling Point on the 3rd of December. We hope you carry a positive message to those of you starting out, those of you who are veterans in the industry, and those of you who are simply fascinated by film. We are a small independent podcast and we're now part of Patreon, so if you'd like to get episodes early, amongst other bonuses, it would be hugely appreciated to have your support and word of mouth. Thank you. For any questions or requests, please email lifeinfilmpodcast at googlemail.com.